quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Weekend Warriors, the weekly foreign affairs podcast that asks... What else is happening in the world? I'm Essie Cup. As you know, Syria may still be locked in one of the deadliest civil wars in, in modern history, but the nation's president, Bashar al-Assad, has declared the war over, and he's already looking forward to the task of rebuilding Syria. And after years of a, a grinding conflict, many of Syria's metropolitan areas which were once home to some of the hundreds of thousands of refugees who have fled Syria over the past you know, nine years, have been reduced to virtual seas of rubble and skeletal skylines. While those images are nothing less than tragic, for Assad, they represent opportunity. He's hoping to replace the shattered remains of these cities with luxury real estate developments, high-rises, commercial uh, developments. And he's got plenty of willing businessmen who are looking to cash in on the efforts. Now, he will face at least some obstacles. On Monday, the European Union slapped close to a dozen individuals involved in Assad's reconstruction schemes with fresh sanctions, banning their travel, freezing their assets uh, of, of men and companies that Assad is depending on to sort of realize his his vision of a new Syria post post war. So what does the EU's latest sanctions uh, mean for Assad for the future of the war torn nation and is redeveloping Syria good for Syrians or just good for Assad? Joining me to take a closer look is Louisa Lovelock. She's a reporter in the Washington Post's Beirut Bureau. She's been following this story closely and wrote about it this week. Um, thanks for joining me, Louisa. First, talk to me about these men, these entities that the EU has sanctioned. Who are they, generally speaking? So the people we're talking about here are, um, are magnates. They're part of Syria's business community. They're particularly people who have, um, you know, risen through Syria's war economy to become some of the leading players. They control um, major assets in the sugar industry, in the steel industry. They even control television companies. And while the idea of sanctions in the Syrian war is certainly not new, we've seen more than 250 prior to this one targeting people linked to the military, people linked to the security forces. The aim this time is different and it's quite specific. As you say, they're targeting people involved in what really is a new economic frontier as mm. Syria comes out of the war years. The areas in question were previously populated often by the sorts of people who did start the 2011 uprising. And the idea, or at least the criticism of this, is that their redevelopment is for a richer and a newer class of people. You know, this leads mm. to the allegation that the Syrian government, which to some extent controls who gets the contracts, you know, there is certainly a degree of nepotism in, mm -hmm. in the handing over of these contracts, 
is that they're trying to engineer a different, perhaps a smaller and a more compliant population. People and I want to get yeah. back at that. Yeah, and I want to I want to get to that. I want to get to that in a minute because it's an important part of this um, this this redevelopment effort. You you spoke to a European diplomat. Um, who said, and I'll quote, these business figures are making lucrative, lucrative profits through their ties with the regime and are helping finance the regime in return. I mean, you know, to, to, to those of us familiar with history um, and specifically, you know, the events in Syria over the past eight, eight nine years, um, this seems akin to profiteering. It, it is profiteering. It absolutely is. Um, and the thing with the Syrian government right now is that the, its economy is completely shot. Um, Syria has had a pretty punishing uh, round of sanctions on it for, for years now. Um, the, war, the economy has contracted by about a half over the war. There are rolling blackouts in Damascus and across much of the rest of the country. They have a third of their housing stocks have been destroyed. And they really need people to come in right now and reconstruct the country. It certainly seems clear that they really want a lot of private investment. So the people who are being sanctioned this week by the EU, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg. But these people, you know, they are exactly the kind of private investors that the Syrians would be looking to to yeah. get these projects started, perhaps guarantee uh, contracts for international, you know, organizations or countries that might want to come in. And so it is a pretty important step. But of course, it remains to be seen what will happen. And mm. one thing that may just happen is, you know, they won't, redevelop some of these incredibly shattered areas that were poor um, are not going to be turned into luxury housing developments. And as a result, you know, the parts of the country that were always um, more pro-government will continue to, to get the funds, to get the resources. And places like Aleppo, you know, the city where we saw monumental devastation back in 2016 and prior. Half of that city remained loyal to the government, and that was the half that has been re- that is being... Um, redeveloped, sort of re, uh, replenished, and the part that had the worst fighting still lies in ruins. Mm-hmm. Well, and let's dig into some of this. Um, you, you note that while Western countries, including the United States, say they will not fund reconstruction without some kind of political progress uh, on, a, on an agreement, Syrian officials are encouraging the return of European diplomatic missions. Uh, so far, have they had any takers? So the Italians do appear to have budged, but generally the European uh, position is that, that they will not, you know, they will not move until there is any uh, political progress. The yeah. U.S. has said the same. But what's very significant in recent months is that the Arab world, you know, the people, the region that needed to stand with Syria is coming back to Assad. Um, you know, it, while Syria was never entirely isolated, Iraq maintained diplomatic ties, Algeria mm-hmm. remained, um, retained diplomatic ties. All the countries that supported the rebels and which went to war with Syria, they're not just backing down and saying they won't fight the rebels anymore. They are returning with open arms. Mm. And that's partly because of the U.S. pullout. You know, Donald Trump announced last year that the the U.S. will be pulling out in short order. And while America may be able to retrench and pull out, these Arab nations don't feel they have that luxury, especially given a pretty fundamental shift in the region's balance of power. And the U.S. pullout is effectively accelerating that in, in causing Russia to, um, to become the prime diplomatic player and causing all these countries that turned on Assad, which could one day fund the reconstruction, to come back. Right. So one view is that, and you touched on this a little, one view is that Syria, you know, must be redeveloped to assist the millions returning home. It's, as you said, its economy has uh, collapsed by, by half. 
it, it needs this re restructuring, re re um, redevelopment. But much of the land has been sort of already expropriated for for these projects um, that once belonged to to the very communities and individuals who opposed Assad during the civil war. And and some of these refugees, you you note, are are being discouraged from settling in these new developments. Are these new developments only for pro Assad residents? I think it's important to stress. Um First of all, that at the moment there is a limited number of these developments, but with a new law that came in last year, Law 10, um, it does seem, or, or one would, um, you know, it seems prudent to suggest that we will see more in future. Uh -huh. But of course, the, the people who the people who started these uprisings did more often than not come from informal areas, elite areas where there had been illegal building. They are the people now outside of the country, and they are the people time and time again who do not have homes to go back to because they have not been they have not been rebuilt. Resources have not been put back into those areas. Mm -hmm. So, uh, another way to look at this uh, could be from the outside, anyway, that in denying the funding of these private backers, maybe the EU is risking keeping Syria an unstable place. Is that a factor in some of these conversations? It is absolutely a factor when you talk to, when you talk to diplomats. They, they, they do acknowledge that. But even if the Europeans don't put the money in, even if America doesn't put the money in, they still have the whole of the Gulf. They still have Russia. They still have China. They still have Iran. You know, Syria's diplomatic uh, rapprochement has started. You know, they are coming in from the cold. And there's a lot of money elsewhere if the Europeans and the Americans don't put it in themselves. Let's talk about America for a second. There are many in Congress here in the U.S. who believe we, in fact, should be helping redevelop Syria, mainly in sort of a carrot stick way. And I've, I've talked to a lot of um, congressional members about this. There was the no assistance for Assad bill, which, which passed the House it had bipartisan support. It would deny Assad uh, reconstruction funds unless the president certified that the Syrian government had stopped attacking, attacking civilians, was making progress uh, in human rights, uh, was complying with international obligations, ending missile development, all sorts of things, including refugee repatriation. Um, I, I talked to two of its supporters, Congressman Brendan Boyle, a Democrat, Congressman Adam Kinzinger, a Republican, at length about this. And the idea was it was um, a way to force Assad's hand on humanitarian issues, but also help ensure, you know, that ISIS and other destabilizing forces stayed away. Um, is that something that the EU is also weighing, um, trying to, in, in, in sanctioning, sanctioning these people, maybe trying to have an, in fact, greater hand in the way Syria is redeveloped and with what strings attached? Now, and I think at this stage, both the uh, United States and the European Union have so little leverage, they are taking a moral stance. They are saying that, you know, to, to go mm. back would be effectively to be complicit in what are ongoing human rights violations. Yes, we don't have bombs falling from the sky every day, but the horrors, you know, the atrocities that go on in Syrian detention are as bad as they ever were. Arrests of, of young men... Yeah continue. Um, you know, men are still being conscripted into the army. And human rights abuses continue on a daily basis. So I think at this stage, it's less about what they can control and more about what they don't want to be a part of. Yeah. Well, and you talk about um, 
the fact that Assad and some of his, you know, regime officials have talked openly about wanting a, a compliant citizenry over, uh, you know, a, a swollen uh, repatriation of refugees. Talk about that for a little bit. Syria is in kiss-the-ring mode. It ha- the President Assad has not budged an inch through the entire war. A lot of people would have said at different times during the war that that was a mistake, that he was going to lose the war. In fact, he emerges, you know, with almost the entire country under his control. Yeah. Most of the people who started the uprising are out of the country. They're dead. They're in jail. What remains is a much smaller population. It's a cowed population, and it's not a population that will rise up with any ease anytime soon. It is true that the Syrian officials are paying lip service, I would say, to the need for people to return. But when you talk to people about that from the outside, a lot of them have heard the message loud and clear and without secure guarantees that they will be okay, which the government is not providing, they're not going to come back. And so I think the population will stay relatively small, or at least as it is. And uh, we will not see the majority of these people returning. Mm. Um, I don't want to uh, get you mired in um, U.S. <laughs> presidential politics, but I do want to I want to raise um, one issue. At least one U.S. presidential candidate, um, a Democrat, has said we actually need to start talking with Assad. She she did, in fact, um, meet with him herself. Do you get the sense that the regime wants to talk with Western leaders at all? Or are they sort of happy to have us out of their hair? As I say, I think he is very much in kiss-the-ring mode at this stage. If Western leaders want to come to him and talk to him on his terms, yeah. the impression I certainly get from the outside is that he would be he would be game for that. But if it, if it, is, if it comes with strings attached, if it comes with conditions, he's showing no signs no of wanting that, especially yeah. not right now. Um, fascinating uh, piece. I encourage everyone to read it in The Washington Post. Louisa Lovelock, uh, thanks so much for your reporting and thanks for coming on Weekend Warriors to discuss it. That's it for us in this edition of Weekend Warriors. I'm S.E. Cup. See you next time. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.